Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What is up, Bills Mafia? Get ready for a jam-packed buffalo bills week and we're starting it off with one of three episodes of shout a buffalo bills football podcast brought to you by tops friendly markets and right now you can enter for a chance to win one million dollars by heading over to tops friendly markets uh, website topsmarkets.com slash red zone and that'll get you entered and each week kings hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. We, uh, we brought AJ in, the producer, for the whole show today because we got a, a really fun conversation that we're going to get this thing kick-started off with tonight about you know just what it's like to be a Bills fan here in 2022 with the expectation so much. And I'm going to read a DM that I got from a fan that kind of inspired this episode shortly, but we're going to go around the horn a little bit. And this is going to be your show. I put out a request on Twitter. Any questions that you have, we'll dive into uh, any of them with uh, two weeks left to go. We'll take a little stroll around probably the AFC East, the AFC as well with the Bengals here coming up. What is up, Ryan Talbot? Hey, not too much. I was just telling you, pre-show, I, I got off some roller coasters. Uh, my son got the MetaQuest 2 for Christmas, so uh, I was playing some epic roller coasters pre-show. Showed up with the Oculus line on the forehead, but uh, having a good time at the Talbot household. How are you guys? It Good, and it faded quickly, which is it good. Did. Like that, yeah. that, that's, I mean, if you have to go out to dinner with your wife, like it's a date night, <laughs> and you're just jamming on the Oculus, you can go all the way up until you have to get in the car because that thing's going to go away in like five minutes. Gone. Perfect. That's up, right. How was your Christmas, buddy? Uh, you know, it was a quiet one. Usually I go over to my grandparents' house, but obviously the South Towns got hit really hard on uh, Christmas Day. So we had to stay, and we're actually going to celebrate, you know, in a couple days. Weather's warming up. So hopefully I can spend some, you know, Christmas time with my family in the coming days here. That's great. Um, and I feel like that's what it's going to be. It's going to be going to be like Christmas week. We were talking to my kids today as we drove over to my in-laws and it's like, yeah, it stunk that, you know, we, we, we missed the parties over uh, the Saturday and Sunday, but the good news is that it's going to like, you're going to get to celebrate Christmas all week long this week with a bunch of different parties uh, over the next uh, over the next few days. All right. Let me read this DM. Um, I didn't, I didn't ask him if it was cool to use his name. Uh, I'm sure you wouldn't mind, but I, I'll, I'll just keep it on the down low for now. Um, so after, I believe it was the Miami game, December 18th. So right. Was that right after the Miami game? We have a schedule I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Miami was December. I think it was the 17th. So yeah, it was the next day. 
And so he DM me um, and I just thought it was in interesting. And, and I told him that we would uh, bring up the, uh, this topic on the show. Uh, and this is what it said. The game yesterday really showed me how much a lot of fans think games should go. Any bad play, it's the end of the world. And then no surprises when we do something awesome. We, the Bills. I'm 21 and before McDermott, especially, uh, essentially my whole life and fandom, the Bills were a trash can franchise. I've had seasons since 2008 and every year was our year to make the playoffs. And now everything is taken for granted. I don't know how you feel about the same situation, but I feel like I could write a novel about how we went from Jeff Toole, Brian Brom, EJ Manuel, and having all the hope in the world with uh, that to having a superhuman quarterback and being so nitpicky. He said, I got home from college yesterday, then hit the game. Uh, and the last game I went to uh, before was Titans Monday Night Football. It was unbelievable how people were complaining about defense uh, not showing up. It was clear to see that the, and this was in the Dolphins game. It was clear to see that the Bills were comfortable in their bend, don't break defense we've seen for the last four years. But everyone around was acting like the world was falling because we were forcing field goals and trying to mitigate their superstar track runners at wide receiver. Just the motto of this is our year. And then now when we have a huge window to actually say it and mean it, everyone is so worried about the now and not the big picture. Um so there's a lot to unpack here, Ryan. I'll I'll let you get started because because uh, I have a lot of thoughts. But just the idea of going into a season where the Bills were far away, and this is a couple decades since any fan yeah. could experience. There's generations of fans that are experiencing this phenomenon for the first time. What it's like to go from kind of uh, you know start to finish, being having these Super Bowl expectations, even with the ups and downs of the season. There's a lot of fans experiencing this, this for the first time, and I think. Whenever things appear to be going off track, there seems to be this panic button. We've talked about it on the show multiple occasions where people are just like the sky is falling because, you know, the defense didn't have the best game. Josh Allen maybe won a couple of games without, you know, the, the superhuman stats. What do you attribute all of that to? And what have been your observations about how the fan base has handled this season chock full of all these expectations? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to the preseason expectations. The Bills are the Super Bowl favorite, the – the fact that a lot of people are saying, you know, if the Bills had been able, national analysts, mind you, if the Bills have been able to hold on to those 13 seconds against the Chiefs, saying they probably could have beaten the Bengals, probably could have represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, you come in the first two weeks and you just absolutely destroy teams like the Rams and you handle the Titans and then later on in the season it's the Steelers. And, and then you realize not all games are going to be like that. There's going to be some tight games. There's going to be some hard games that come along. Uh, when you are the Super Bowl favorite or a Super Bowl contender, you have a target on your back. Every team is going to give you their best effort. And you can say that about the Bills. You can say that about the Chiefs. You can say that about even the Bengals now. Uh, look at Kansas City a few weeks ago. The, the Titans went in. That was their uh, – excuse me, the Texans went in. That was their Super Bowl game. They fought hard. They went to overtime with them. It, it's just when you're one of the top teams, you have this target on the back, and you're not always going to win in blowout fashion. But, Matt, I've been thinking about this, too, and it, it's funny. Not even just – when I was six was when the Bills went to the in the 90 Super Bowls. That's when – so I, I was very young. But even before that, go back to McDermott's first year, 2017. They beat the Dolphins in the regular season finale. Uh, you, you get help from the Bengals beating the Ravens. No one in their right mind thought the Bills were winning the Super Bowl that year. But think of all the tears. Think about all the excitement. Now, if they just get to the playoffs, it's not good enough. It's just the acceleration of where the team was to where they are now. They actually have the quarterback. They were supposedly were going to have the pass rusher 
Von Miller out for the year, obviously. They they have the defensive pieces. They have the offensive pieces. This was supposed to be that year where it all came together after coming so close the past two years. So I get where the fan base is coming from, but I think that uh, person who sent you the message has it exactly right, too. You, you, the expectations are almost too high because we're sitting here at 12 and three, the bills that is, and, and people are finding reasons to complain about their record and where they're currently at, which is first in the AFC. Yeah. I think that's the uh, problem with, you know, the last going through the 17 year playoff drought as a bills fan is that you were, you know, naming all those quarterbacks that he mentioned in the uh, DM, they were at just such a low of low. And when, Tyrod was there and, you know, they got the job done um, against Miami and since he wanted to beat him in the locker room and like, you know, fans were so excited to, you know, experience that moment. Um, you know, I, I was in the same boat. I was, you know, <laughs> my whole set first 17 years of life, I never got to experience, you know, a playoff game or anything like that. So now I was like, you know, as I've you know adjusted to that and been able to, you know, experience, you know, a team that's done well the past few years. I think it's 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 interesting, and a, a conversation that even I, you know, could think from this is you know what was harder to go through seventeen years of no playoffs or you know four Super Bowl losses from a fan perspective. Because I look at my dad, and my dad's you know, kind of uh you know negative or optimistic fan in terms of like because he went through all of that. He went through seventeen years and the four Super Bowls. So for me you know, and actually taking this role as a producer and seeing, you know, the fans go, you know, going through the comments each week, it's really, you know, made me realize that it's really one week at a time in this league. And there's a lot of things that change throughout the season. And look at like, like Ryan said, the Texans, you know, almost beat the chiefs. It's a week to week league and, you know, high expectations are, are necessary for a team that's talented, but at the same time, it's the NFL. It's a week to week league and, you know, teams can win any, any given week. There's a couple things that I said, you know, over the course of the last two weeks, you know, whether it be on social media or on the show, and they're and they're so true. And it's something that it really took me to start covering the league to truly understand. Like I was, as a fan years ago, I was so reactionary to everything. I mean, Sammy Watkins had a big game. Oh man, like this offense is coming together. Like it is, it, it, it's happening finally. Kyle Orton finds a way to throw three touchdown passes and he's the answer. And there's, there's so many moments as a, as a fan where you, you talk yourself into something being sustainable or being able to enter the conversation. And we're seeing a live look at a build in Miami that's led to this year, everything right now, how this thing is built in Miami, you know, drafting to uh going through the court or the, the head coaching change, reloading once they brought in Mike McDaniel, getting Tyreek Hill, adding Taron Armstrong. Like it all was to be for this year. And we saw magical moments for this Dolphins team all season long. I mean, some record breaking performances. They were on pace to break records. And we've seen what's happened when the games get really tough. When the, when the calendar turns to December, you know, the train can come off the tracks really soon. Now they can get them back on the tracks. They can still make the playoffs. They could still make a run if things, you know, end up right with Tua and everything going on with the concussion. Maybe his third of the season, which is something we probably should talk about at some point over the course of the show, which is crazy. Undocumented against the Bills, obviously, but he left that game, came back in. A lot of people thought that there was maybe a concussion suffered in that game. So that's a piece of this. You know, the other piece of it 
for me is so I grew up obviously well documented on the show as a, a diehard Bills fan, and I was the eternal optimist of my my group, right? Like I was the one that glass glass is always you know half full, whereas my dad, my uncles, they were always like glasses half empty. I was at the greatest comeback game ever. The, the Oilers ran all over the Bills, threw it all over the Bills. Warren Moon was on his way to a huge road playoff win, and my dad was ready to hightail it out of there. And I told him, get out of here. This is one of my this is my first ever playoff game. We're not leaving this game, right? Like, I was always that eternal optimist. I chose to look at everything that way. And I think, like, to answer um, this, this fan's question about, like, is it an overreaction? I just think everybody experiences the game and being a fan – their own way. And I think some people work their way through situations by looking at all potential negatives. So when the negative ends up happening, it's not as you don't take it as hard, but here's the truth of it. It doesn't matter how you handle it. If you're the eternal optimist or you're the eternal negative Nancy of the group, you're going to experience that heartache or that like, and I was a Bills fan for 35 years. I never experienced what a Super Bowl championship felt like. But I've talked to people that have been long-suffering fans that you know won a championship, whether it be you know Red Sox fans for all those years or um, Dallas Mavericks fans uh, when Dirk Nowitzki uh, brought them. A little bit different. You know, that, that franchise doesn't go as far back. But the point of it is, however you experience the game, whatever you use as your mechanisms to cope, you're going to experience the things on the other side no matter what happens because that's what being a fan is, a fanatic is, is just feeling really something passionately for what you're, uh, you know, cheering for. Yeah, no, that that's really well said. And, you know, I see people in here talking about curses and things like that, and curses are a myth. And you mentioned the Red Sox. My brother's a, a diehard Chicago Cubs fan, so he sat through, obviously, the Ryan Sandberg years with a lot of, uh, fun players, but no success. You had the Kerry Wood, uh, the prior years where they had great pitching, couldn't get it done. And then finally they win it all. So, you know, when it comes to the Bills and in the NFL, only one team can win the Super Bowl every year. Only one team can win the World Series and it's the same for every other sport. So, yes, the Bills haven't done it in most of our lifetimes. If you're a longstanding Bills fan, AFL championship, uh, possibly you saw it at some point in your life, but it can happen and it can happen at any point. It's not bad luck. It's, it's not uh, a curse. It's just the matter of all of it coming together at the right time. And the bills right now, as that fan said, that window is open. Uh, it's going to be open for the foreseeable future, but obviously you want to see them win one sooner rather than later and build off of that. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I think Matt to what you said, like my dad, I used to be kind of like the glass half empty kind of, fan and now the last few years not and especially really this year like again like saying doing this like role and like being a part of what you guys do it's really allowed me to take a step back and realize you know football's a tough game and all that but like you said Matt like at the end of the day my if I'm more like a positive person now my dad's kind of like the other side but at the end of the day if they won the Super Bowl or if, if we lose another 13 seconds it's going to be the same exact feeling and we're not excuse me, have the same exact, you know, feeling about, about that experience. So it is, it is a very true point you brought up. Every team in the NFL has deficiencies, right? Like things are going so well in San Francisco. They look like a freight train, like that's about to hit the playoffs. Right. But Brock Purdy hasn't experienced playing against a really, really good defense. And he's going to have to probably run through potentially the Cowboys, the Eagles. There are things set up there 
that could be really hard for them. Jalen Hurts has had this magical MVP caliber season. But again, he hasn't really had to do it in the playoffs. You know, I want to transition here a little bit because I want to talk about this Nick uh, Wright uh, topic. I, I put out a or bit that he did on his show um, this week, and we'll talk a little bit about what he said. And I put out um, this one. I wanted this to be a Q&A episode as well. And uh, my son's here standing off to the side, little audience. What's up, buddy? You all right? All right, buddy. I'll be up in a bit, okay? Is mom? Did mom go get the food? All the pizza stores are closed. All the pizza stores are closed? Yep. That's tough. All right, I'll bring it up in a bit, okay? Love you. Um, there goes AJ. AJ's got the he's got the Hooper uh, he's got the Hooper jerseys up in the background. There you go. Yeah, I, I've been collecting them. I got Ant Man, Curry, Cat, Kumbo, Zion, and Jokic. Hanging out. Nice. So that's you gotta my start, you gotta start a, you gotta start an NBA podcast soon. That's pretty sick. Uh, that's 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 not my that's not my favorite. All right, all right, all right, cool. Uh so Nick Wright um had a little bit about Josh Allen. So first of all, two things before we get to what he actually said. Two things. Number one, we've talked about this before about Nick Wright. This is a shtick, everybody, right? Like what sells at this point is anything that's involved with Bill's mafia. Like you get the you get the Twitter buzz if you say anything positive, negative. Look how Miami Dolphins fans have leaned into this rivalry this year because like there was this one guy I think his name was like Nikki Nikki Cheeks or something like that or Nikki Streets. I don't know. He had this like viral video after the Miami game down there where he was like pushing through people and like swearing. Oh, and I think he swore at one of the the cool uh, Bills super fans. Chefs. The, the chef. Yeah. yeah. And like he leaned into it, like every every tweet was about Bill's Mafia because it gets traction. And so, of course, these people want to, you know, you know, get that kind of traffic uh, or eyes on their stuff. So Nick Smokes, there you go. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know why I called him that. Um, I don't know. That was just sticking in my head. Anyway, so Nick Wright, this bit against Josh Allen and the Bills it plays because anytime he can find any like type of thing to dig in on, he knows it's going to get people going. So he basically went in today about Josh Allen's stats since week six and, you know, long and short of it from a passing perspective, they're, they're not great. I mean, he's got 20, uh, 15 passing touchdowns, 20 total touchdowns, which you didn't mention five rushing, which didn't really fit the narrative. So I, I'm pretty sure that's why he omitted that. And just some of the numbers, the, you know, passer rating, the QBR, the yards, I mean, you know, they were at like middle of the of the pack, a bunch of them. Some of them were even lower. Um, didn't talk about in the entire two-minute hit the elbow injury. Didn't talk about that. Didn't talk about any of the weather games that they played, the game plan that they've used to try to get their running game going in, in the middle part of that section. And he also didn't really talk about this, Ryan. Last season, Josh Allen had 21 from week seven till week 18 had 21 passing touchdowns, 25 total touchdowns, okay? Right now, Josh Allen has, with two games to go, 15 passing touchdowns and 20 total touchdowns. So he potentially, at the end of week 18, could have more passing touchdowns and more total touchdowns than he did a year ago. So the, the whole argument is just anything to find to get people going. That's, that's what he does, and that's what he kind of thrives on. Yeah, again, it's the narrative. It's what he wants. You know, there's a reason I've had the guy muted on Twitter for a few years now. Uh, it, it's don't get give the guy the reaction, and eventually he'll move on. But 
at the end of the day, Josh Allen is, is, like you said, could come close to matching or surpassing his stats from last year. He's still a weapon with his legs. He's been playing with an elbow injury. He's played in a lot of uh, bad weather games this year at home. Uh, he's had to play one on the road. He, they had to play three games in 11 days and, and one of them in, you know, back to back in Detroit. So they've gone through a lot this year, a lot more than maybe any other team has had to go through. And the Bills are still 12 and three. Josh Allen's stats could end up being very similar, if not better than last year. Uh, it comes down to it being a shtick. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, Nick, right? You know, that's that's what he does. It's kind of like the Skip Bayless for the Cowboys. You, I, I almost live for Skip after like a Cowboys win or loss. His tweets are just absolutely funny. But speaking about Nick Wright, I, I just want to think about Allen and how he's played. I don't know how much Nick Wright watches the Bills, but you can go back to several games where you know, st- you know, numbers are numbers. But you look at the uh, Miami game. Allen had that 50, 60 yard scramble to set up the game tying touchdown. You have the Detroit Lions game when they went and tied the game up. He gets the ball back with 22 seconds, throws a laser to Diggs over the middle, sets up the game winning field goal. So there's moments in that, you know, and his numbers aren't that great stats wise. But if you look and watch the games, he's put this team in positions to win. Obviously, his defense has played really well. But at the end of the day, Allen, in, in, my, in my opinion, I think he could. He is the most valuable player on any team. Um, he's not going to win the award this year, I think, because Mahomes' numbers are, you know, obviously better and they're playing really well. But in my opinion, I think Allen really is the most valuable player in this league. And stats might not show it the past, you know, 10, 11 weeks. But if you watch the games, he's put him in positions to win and he, he's got the job done. If you're making any point on Josh Allen and you don't bring up his scorched earth run of nine touchdown passes in two playoff games last year, I just have zero respect for you. What's funny is I actually do like Nick Wright. Like before I started doing this, I mean, when he first got his start with Colin Cowherd and and part of these guys job, you got to understand, like from a sports media perspective, when you're in like as a talking head, you literally get paid based on the kind of controversy you create with the words that you spew. I mean, it's why Stephen A. Smith has been so popular and, you know, uh, Skip, you know, obviously Skip Bayless and some of these other guys over the course of, of their careers. So there's a piece of that that you just you got to troll a little bit. Otherwise, it's it, you, you got to create a reason why people are talking about you. And I really liked his basketball analysis back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually, obviously turned out to be a huge LeBron James homer, who, which I was for a while. So maybe that's why I really loved uh, everything that he was kind of spewing about LeBron James. But from an Allen perspective. I think when a guy proves it in January, the way that Josh Allen did last year, for me, he gets the benefit of the doubt. It's why no matter what Patrick Mahomes was going through last year, I still said you're going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes when it gets to playoff time. And I know he got things right before the Bills and, and the Chiefs played, but that's never going away. Elite quarterbacks that that raise their level of play to that in the playoffs. I mean, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady before Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we've seen – you know, other, you know, contemporary quarterbacks that have kind of been able to do the same, you know, that just delivers a different amount of respect. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, I know it hasn't ended well for him the last couple of years, but he's made big time plays and big time spots in big time games and playoff games. So for me, that's, that's more important. Yeah. And you said it, I mean, that was maybe the greatest playoff game ever played last year. Allen and Mahomes went back and forth, both leading their teams. And when you are part of one of those great games like that, you do earn the benefit of the doubt. And don't forget that Nick Wright, after that game, was just sitting there on uh, whatever his show is. What is it? First take? First things first. First things first. First things first. They're all whatever. Um, 
Yeah, first things first. And he's sitting there and he's like, I don't know what to say. I was wrong. That was one of the best games I've ever seen or something like that. I can't remember the exact clip, but I remember somebody sharing it. So, yeah, it is It is what it is. Like, you, you, you want Allen to play better. But there's also another component to this, guys, too. And this is something that there's so much, like, what separates the Houston Texans and the Buffalo Bills or the Philadelphia Eagles? It's it's just, like, inches. Like, it's just – I know that the talent discrepancy is, is massive, but we've seen the way that they've played over the course of the last – couple of weeks i mean they almost beat um who did they just beat did they beat the titans mm-hmm. yeah they beat the titans they almost beat the chiefs and they're the worst team in the league they're probably gonna get the first overall pick in this league everything is so condensed everybody's so close together and so what i think teams try to do the reason sean mcdermott and ken dorsey and leslie frazier talk so much about balanced attacks on both sides of the ball playing complimentary football is because the more you're able to throw at a team in terms of what they have to prepare for, the more difficult it is to play against you. So if Josh Allen was just running, you know, rampant over the entire league all season long, you know, throwing the ball around the yard and and just unleashing their entire playbook on every team that they play, there's no, like, there's nothing that you're going to be able to go to in the playoffs when you need a change of pace. And so I think part of it is like, I haven't seen a single trick play. Can you remember a trick play that the Bills have run all season long? To me, that gets me thinking like, I think they're saving some stuff for the playoffs because, right. and we probably haven't mm-hmm. seen all that they're going to try to do in the playoffs because they're, they're evolving. They're getting smarter. They've been in this situation before they've been in the, in the race for the one seed. And as important as that is, I went back and looked, you know, there was a run there where I think it was the Denver Broncos, the New England Patriots a couple of years, but I think for the last five, the number one seed hasn't gone to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. The only time that it happened was KC a couple of years ago against the Bills, and it was they lost in the Super Bowl. So hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. And we'll see where it all goes here in the playoffs. But with the trick plays, I agree. And there's still so much to this offense that I, I think that they can unravel too with Cole Beasley just being back for a few weeks. Uh, and I don't want to get too far into the fan questions, but I know one of the questions was how does how do elevations work in the uh, playoffs? Well, they're unlimited, so you could if Cole Beasley wasn't on the main roster, they could elevate him every single week for the playoffs. Same with John Brown. I still think maybe getting Beasley the main roster is part of their plan at some point, uh, but that'll be interesting. And, and I still think they're trying to figure out how to utilize these talents best. But you mentioned there's the trick plays as well. There's still a lot to this offense that I think can be done. I don't want to sit here and say that I think Mike Hyde can return, but there's always that glimmer of hope there too. And if you get that safety duo back and Trey White, uh, look, you know, getting better and better each week, that defense will be very scary too. Yeah, and people were asking about like roster spots, like available. I mean, I think you're going to start to see like guys like Tommy Sweeney, guys like Dean Marlowe, guys like um, even Cam Lewis, who has had a couple of uh, you know plays that you know probably aren't you know earning him big time rave reviews around the league if he if he hits the uh, waiver wire like the bills might get to a point where beasley is so important to them a healthy micah hyde is so important to them that they decide to risk it and try to get one of those guys back on the practice squad and who knows i mean you know if if one of those guys you know appear i think is this tommy sweeney's fourth year right uh, I'm trying to think if it is. I think this is his fourth year. He was drafted in 19, right? Okay. He was, he was the yeah. same draft year as Ed Oliver. Um, so, yeah. So this is his fourth year. If you if you cut him and somebody else picks him up, 
it could be a situation like you've seen in the past where, you know, guys have gone on to other places and hasn't worked out. Jake Kumro is a perfect example when he got, you know, plucked off the practice squad by new Orleans ends up on the roster for camp the very next year. So some of these decisions, you know, are going to, you know, just, you're just going to have to force your hand because this is now that window of time where you got to, you know, make some hard decisions. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So here's what we did. So a couple things before we get too far down the line here, um, hit that like button, subscribe to the show as well. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate you hanging out with us on this Tuesday evening. We're going to have three podcasts this week. So we got this one. We have the Thursday show, which is going to serve as the staple show because the Bills pushed everything back this week. So we're going to do Thursday night show. And then we will have the preview early, uh, hopefully on Saturday. Uh, that might even be a morning show. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll toss some ideas around here uh, and feel free to add them in the comment section. Drop your questions. I see two are already up here right now. We'll take those first. And then we're going to head over to Twitter where we I think we had like 15 questions that were dropped. I asked for a little mini mailbag and we'll fire through all of those. Uh, we want to start, Ryan. You want to start with Troy's question here? Yeah, let's start with Troy's. All right. So two part question. Do you want to keep motor after this season or move on? Um, and then the second part is if you keep him, do you think he is willing to take a lower rate to stay here or he takes a higher contract and is out? Um, you want to start? Or you want to start? No, go ahead and start. So I do have a take here on this and thank you, Troy, for that question. I think it's a really good one. And I think what we've seen with, with James Cook coming on, it's going to have to make a ton of sense financially for the bills to bring him back. He's going to have to hit the open market, not see the kind of deals or opportunities that he was kind of hoping for, and then maybe be willing to take a smaller chunk of change. But I also think what could be at play here, Ryan, it's something that, you know, we've talked about is that they've drafted guys, signed guys. I think that they might be in business for maybe an AJ Dillon type to pair with James Cook. Right now, a lot of what James Cook and Devin Singletary do, and I know what you're going to say, Devin Singletary is not nearly as fast as James Cook, and I, I I understand that, I appreciate that. But in terms of the style of runners that they are and how they win, neither one of them is really that bruising back. That's going to, you know, as good of a, a tackle breaker as Devin Singletary is, he's not going to run into a, a gang of ta uh, of tacklers and drag them five or six yards. So I think what they maybe the idea should be is you have James Cook who's now a rookie who's proven that you could probably hand the reins to him as RB one as early as next year if not right now if you didn't have Devin Singletary, so you you keep him uh, as as the starter moving forward. You see what happens with Singletary, but if that doesn't materialize, draft a running back, sign a running back. However, you want to kind of shake it out. You have Naheem Hines who's under contract next year. He's probably still going to be in the mix. I think that's more than enough to as you look forward. Yeah, and, and listen, running backs, and, and I'm not trying to just discredit Devin Singletary, but there are seventh-round running backs this year, undrafted free agent running backs that have made contributions to teams this season. Pacheco in Kansas City is an example of one. Uh, you can find good backs late in this draft uh, coming up. But first, am I open to bringing him back? Yeah, absolutely. If I were the Bills, I, I think he's been very good for this team. Uh, he went over 1,000 yards from scrimmage last week. I'm going to name some names for you now. You have Tony Pollard, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, uh, Saquon Barkley. Those are just some of the potential free agents that could hit the market this season. With those names, all of those, I would think, would be ahead of Devin Singletary in terms of what teams would be willing to pay and what they're looking for. 
Bajan Robinson in the draft, uh, Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, and so many more as well. It's going to be a tough market for running back. So I think what could potentially happen is Singletary, like you said, hits the market. Maybe the money is not there that he, he was hoping for. And I think the Bills could say, listen, if you want to come back and play and contend for a title, here's what we'll offer you. And I think they could kind of meet somewhere in the middle because, like you said, James Cook, you know, averaging 5.8 yards per carry, uh, most in the league with uh, a minimum, I think, of 75 carries. Uh, you have Naheem Hines. You can always draft players. He Can you replace him? Yes. Uh, but would it be as easy to replace that production? No, not right out of the gate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. AJ, you have a choice. One year, $4.5 million contract next year for Devin Singletary or Jordan Phillips. Who do you give it to? Jeez. Oh, that's tough. Um, I would probably go. I'm giving you softballs here on Shout, man. Like, <laughs> no, no. I, I, it's, it's like, is not that like is neither an option, but like, I, I don't oh, know. That, that's fair. That's All fair. Right, I, I would go neither just because like, I think. Obviously, Phillips is a depth piece. He's done well this year, but I think he, you know, injuries have kind of, you know, um, stopped him from playing. He can't as well as he stay could. healthy. Yeah, that's the that's the truth of the matter at this point. Like yeah. Jordan Phillips cannot stay healthy. It's the reason why things soured so badly in Arizona. And I thought coming in here, he he did a really good job of staying healthy with the Bills the first run. It's the reason why he earned that contract. But the problem is he's three years older which playing at his size at his age, it gets tougher and tougher every year. You know, I'd put him on ice for the next like two weeks. And as much as you need to win these games, like you're going to need him for the playoffs too. And like, I just, I don't know if he's playing at hundred percent. Every time he had, he put a hit on somebody this weekend, he was kind of holding the shoulder. Yeah. And I think, I think Singletary, um, you know, he's done really well. Uh, like Ryan said, over a thousand yards of scrimmage this year. But I think, Going back to the original question, I think there's a very slight chance that they resign him just because of the fact they've always been with McDermott. They've always, you know, had that running back by committee and paying for a guy. If they can make the money work, yes, they'd love to have him back. But I think through the draft, a cheap free agent option, they have Hines and Cook coming back. Cook showed a lot these past few weeks. I think, you know, the smart fight, you know, the smart decision would be move on from Singletary, find a guy in free agency or the draft to pair with Cook and keep using Hines on gadget plays with McKenzie, you know, who knows where he, you know, is next year. Hines could kind of fill that role if McKenzie walks. So you got, you got a lot of options, but Singletary being here next year, I really don't think there's a, there's a great chance of that just based on money, um, how he's produced and uh, everything else. 23-21. Big dub today for the Buffalo Bills in the Camillus Bowl. Is that what you, is that what you call it? I, I don't have it up Bulls, in front of yeah. me, but. Okay, is that it, Camillus Bowl? I I believe so. Yeah. Now is that three straight bowl wins? Is that correct? Yep. Okay. How about that, Cole Schneider and his swan song? He's transferring, I guess. Um, twenty-one to transferring these days. Two sixty. I know who's not. I mean, literally, the story <laughs> in college football at this point is who's 
who's not transferring. I, I think those guys should get some stories written about them. 265 and a tud. Uh, field goal in the fourth quarter was the difference. They, they took out the Georgia Southern Eagles. Uh, Tyler Bass, proud alum. Tough, tough one for that. I might have to mention that to him in the locker room on Thursday. We'll see. Um, all right. So, yeah, I want to give him a little shout out. Uh, thanks for, for reminding me. That's great. So, we're going to take questions. If you, um, did I say Bills? You, yeah, yeah, you said Bills and yeah. Bills. My bad. You know, you know, blame the day job. I apologize about that. <laughs> so, we, so I put this out. We have a bunch of questions on Twitter, but those of you watching on YouTube right now, thank you so much. We appreciate you. You are awesome. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the show as well. Um, we're going to start making our way through these questions. If you have some, drop them in here and we'll do what we just did with the first two and we will bring them uh, onto the screen and we will talk about them. Here we go. Um, the first question is, I think we already talked about the practice squad elevations. If you could make one change on the team, what would it be? Position, scheme, play calling, et cetera. Why don't you start, Ryan? You know, you could easily go position here and, and just add a stud at whatever position you want. I, I feel like that would almost be like the the easy choice. Say, oh, yeah, you know, trade up for Sauce Gardner from this year. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how, if that's really a fair argument or a fair conversation to have. Um, I like their scheme. I like the bend don't break. I like the fact that they have trust in the two linebackers that they, they are so efficient in the back end. So for me, it, it, it's a really tough one. Would, would I like to see uh, some more of those gadget trick plays? Yes. So maybe that's what it comes down to. But like you said, Matt, maybe they're holding off of that until the playoffs to really, uh, you know, uncover a few new wrinkles with this offense. So I, I'm kind of stumped on this one. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of stumped on it too. It's kind of like a like a strange question because it's not strange. I shouldn't say that. Thank you for the question, Rich, yes. uh, over on Twitter. No, I appreciate it. Um, it. It's just trying to work work it through. Like what what can be? There's a lot of things that can be improved about the team, but they're sitting here at 12 and three. They're kind of working through some things. That the run game has really been good. I think the offensive line. Shout out to you know for two guys that we've been kind of down on for the course of this this season, and, and still their past protection is an issue but spencer brown and roger saffle both i went back and watched the bears game they both had monster monster blocks brown i think on a singletary run and on on cook's first run that went for 20 plus yards saffle got downfield and just blasted pancaked the guy and and sprung him for another 10 to 15 yards i mean those are huge kinds of plays and, and again the bears defense was i mean literally i i don't know if it, most xfl rosters are probably going to field a better defense than the bears had on sunday or on saturday but Still, you want to give them credit for making those kind of plays uh, in the game. What would I change? I think I'd probably go back in time and be a little bit more urgent drafting on the offensive line. Like for me, that w that's the spot I feel like as we sit here right now, it's the position group where there's the least amount of options. You're relying on Ike Butker, who's coming off of this injury. And listen, I, I didn't actually go back and look specifically at his snaps. He didn't really pop out to me too much, which probably tells you he did a pretty good job um, in the limited snaps that he did have. But if he ends up having to play a, a significant role, like, you know, you saw a couple offensive linemen go down in that game, or one was out, one went down in that game. If he ends up having to go in and play 60 snaps, are you ready? Can you give him that kind of workload? You you could be in a situation where you're really relying on Bobby Bobby Hart 
far be it for me to say. I mean, if there's a couple injuries, he could be your starting left tackle. I mean, that that's how close you are to that. So without those kind of moldable pieces where I feel like they've played that game a little bit better over the course of the last few years, I think they were banking on, you know, Tommy Doyle being available and you can't predict season any injuries. But I think just in general, drafting a line is where I think they just have to be a little bit more urgent, a little bit more aggressive and and try to have a few more flavors here as we move forward. Yeah, yeah. I can, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I could joke around and say Micah Hyde and Von Miller. Like those are two pieces that I think the Bills are missing on defense. A you know a star pass rusher and that safety opposite Poyer. But if I'm being realistic, I think like a viable slot option. I know people are you know banging on the door for Cole Beasley, and they you know they added to the roster. But a guy in the slot that can get open, get get those five yard passes, and you know run up field for a couple more. I think that's the biggest you know thing that. If it was two, three years ago and the Bills were in this position and Cole Beasley was two, three years younger, you know, I think that would, you know, be a, a huge addition to, to to this offense. And, you know, they'd be probably the top scoring offense in football right now. Just one point on the Cole Beasley thing. Like, I think we saw what he can be for this offense, right? It was a second and long, I think. And he got a catch over the, you know, left side, got a, what was it, seven, eight yards I of thought rack. It might have been nine. Short. Might have been nine. nine. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, that, that to me is what I think you're looking for, right, out of that spot. But why didn't they use him more? Like, you're trying to get Cole Beasley up to speed here. What do you end up having, like six or six or seven six snaps, snaps in that game? That's wild because it's like if you had that plan, and I know, like, Ken Dorsey bangs his drum about, like, the game plan evolves or the course of the game. I get that completely. But I think Cole Beasley is in a spot. And here, maybe part of it is, like, they're trying to keep him healthy. And, like, that might be – you know, what's at, what's at stake here. They've, they've, they've run him out there early in seasons. He's gotten banged up and it hasn't looked good later in the year. So maybe they're saying like, let's just, we know what he can do in this offense. Let's hold off to the playoffs. Then we'll really start to get him involved. But then why burn one of his practice squad elevations? Cause now you're going to use a situation where unless you know for a fact, like you mentioned earlier, Ryan, that they're going to bring him up to the active roster, you know, after that final um, elevation or however that ends up looking for the Patriots game. I get that part of it, but it's just a little bit confusing, like the usage versus maybe just, you know, keeping him down for that game because you are going against the Bears and you were planning on using Isaiah McKenzie as much as you did anyway, and Khalil Shakir, who got quite a bit of snaps. So just a little bit puzzling there on, on Beasley. Yeah, and it, it might come down to two, how the way they were blocking up front for the backs in that game. They went over 200, 206 total yards between the two of them. Maybe they felt like they were better off with different personnel on the field. Maybe they are just trying to keep Beasley healthy and saying, listen, we know what you can do. We're going to bring you out there a handful of snaps each game. Come playoff time, we'll really unleash you. And he might be more than okay with that because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. All right, let's go to the next question here. If you have a question, drop them uh, on YouTube. Drop them on the side in the comment section. AJ is going to be producing his little butt off and uh, make sure to bring him on the, the the table. I do say, I think this is your best lighting job to date. I got, yeah, I'm in my, I got my, I don't have my weird lights, my LED lights. I got the greatest point guard of all time to the right. I mean, what, what, what can you, what else can I you mean, ask It for? doesn't feel like we're in the club, but everything else is just chef's kiss. Here we go. All right, next question. I like this. this is a, uh, uh, fanatics, Q's Fanatics fan. He's got two questions. We'll take the first one first. If you had to pick one player, who does the Bills D try to shut down against the Bengals on Monday Night Football? Which is really interesting because I feel like how the Bills have handled the Miami Dolphins, you know, a couple weeks ago, 
Trey White was lining up on Jalen Waddle a lot in that game, and they had a, a completely separate plan, plan for Tyreek Hill. So do you think that maybe Tredavious White goes up against um, T. Higgins in this game, and then they you know, kind of, kind of come up with a plan maybe by committee to deal with uh, Jamar Chase? What do you think, Ryan? It's possible, but if I had to choose one to shut down, it would be Jamar Chase every single time. Uh, I've seen the guy take over games. He had, what, 200-plus yards and three touchdowns last year in the regular season against the Chiefs. Uh, he, he can just be that dynamic receiver that can give you absolute headaches. So if there was one player that I would focus on shutting down, it would be Chase. But, man, that that wide receiver roster, and, and I know Tyler Boyd is kind of taking a step back from the, the T Higgins and the Jamar chases of the, that uh, roster, but that's still a strong trio. Uh, they have a phenomenal quarterback. They did just lose a, a one of their most important offensive linemen, but it's still going to be such a fun game to watch. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with uh, T Higgins with the production. He's, I pulled the stats up cause I've, you know, I've been watching red zone and I feel like he's been in the ed zone a lot. Um, the last four weeks, he's actually had a, one touchdown in each game and probably somewhere around 300 yards. So I think shutting him down, you know, taking him out of the game, yes, Chase is a, a game wrecker. He was on my fantasy team last year, and he did really well for me. But T. Higgins is a guy that has played really well this year. They have familiarity. He has over 1,000 yards already this season. I feel like he's been really producing, if you can kind of disrupt that. Um, and, you know, Hayden Hurst is also a candidate where he's kind of that, you know, Burrow likes the tight end, you know, C.J. Uzama last year played really well for them. He's kind of fell, fallen off with the Jets and that. Whole Zach Wilson, Mike White, you know, debacle. But besides besides that, I think T. Higgins is a very, you know, good player and shutting him down would be would be a good a good thing for the Bills to do. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, huge hit this week uh for uh the Bengals, Lyle Collins out for this season, it looks like. Uh, although he was one of their like least effective pass blocking offensive linemen. Uh he did a little bit better in the in the run game. Uh, so we'll see how that affects what they do. I mean, they have some really good guys on the interior. So I think it's going to be, listen, this is going to be an Ed Oliver game. We're going to get into all of this over the next you know, two shows. But this is going to be an Ed Oliver game. I really want to talk about and like pinpoint him because this is probably one of the better interior offensive lines that he'll have faced over the last five or six weeks. And another DM that I got recently was about, you know, we could spend some time on a show like, putting Quinn and Williams against Ed Oliver and like, you know, how the two careers have kind of gone. And Quinn and Williams has been this absolute like stud, you know, 10 plus sack season, like game wrecker. And, you know, the stats just haven't been there for Oliver. And I, I do think we have like a little bit of revisionist history. Sometimes we've got to be careful about that. Quinn and Williams was the, by the time we got to the draft was the definitive DT one in that draft. Like there was never a question about like, was it going to be Quinn Williams first or Ed Oliver first? It was going to be Quinn Williams first, no matter what. Kind of like Sauce Gardner, uh, kind of in this draft. Although the Derek Stingley thing happened at the last second, so what do I know? But you know, that was always going to be the case. Now I think the other question was going to be: Would the Bills have had to have drafted, traded up in that draft to get Ed Oliver? I'm not so sure, but you know, I think Ed Oliver's been really, really good for this defense. But some of his stronger games, Ryan, have come against teams that have been really banged up on their interior offensive line or not very good. So I think now he's got to show it, you know, with some of these game-changing plays in a game against the team where that is their kind of their strength of their team. I mean, Karras, um, who's a Kappa, um, I think they have another piece on the interior there. And then obviously on the outside there, Jonah Williams playing pretty well for them. They have some pieces there that are that are pretty good that I think are going to challenge all of those interior pieces. 
Yeah, well, you just mentioned it. You know, talk about a team that shored up, shored up their offensive line. Uh, they saw what, what the offensive line did to Burrow early in his career. Uh, they saw how close they were to winning it all last season. They said, we have to go out and really invest in this. And they did uh, via free agency. And they've, they spent some draft picks. And it, it's impressive to see what they've done. Because early in the year, they had their struggles. But once they started gelling, they've been a really good unit. They've protected Burrow really well. They've kept him upright. I feel like he's only been sacked about once uh, per game over the last two or three weeks. So that they're doing a great job at this point. They're running pretty well with uh, Samaj P. Ryan and company and we know about the passing game so it's going to be a, a real tough challenge for the bills on monday night all right let's go to the next question here um oh obj obj still in the cars for the playoffs i'm gonna say no yeah i'm gonna no. say no too i don't think he's gonna be ready this year yeah i'm not gonna spend too much time on that one will will christian benford start practicing this week if and when he gets activated who gets cut and like i mentioned there's there's a couple different candidates i think all over the roster that you kind of play around with uh, depending on you know what you need that week and who you can get back on the practice squad. That's like Dean Marlowe, I feel like, are guys that you could really work with. Uh, he's done it before. We've cut him and brought him back. Um, so I think the Benford thing is going to be really interesting, like how do they view this thing? And I think it's a problem that's kind of simmering. Like what are they I, – I think Kyrie Elam's played pretty well the last couple of weeks. Like yeah. I, I'm at a point now with Elam where – I think it should be like at minimum 60 40 with Dane Jackson. Like, I think we should start seeing, you know, three series for Elam to one series for Dane Jackson just to see what it looks like. And I know I kind of stand for, for Jackson a little bit. He made a really nice play against the Bears, but I just think it's this that time of year where you got to kind of pull Elam back. He's a first round draft pick. You got to watch from the sidelines a little bit. Now, kind of like just see what he can do out there. I think you're going to really, you mentioned T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. You're going to need him, I think, his speed on Monday night. Yeah, I agree completely. He he's been very good, and I, I I'm sure the Bills have had their reasons for the slow play, getting him back out there. He dealt with some injuries at one point this season, but you got to kind of let him go at some point, see what he can really do over uh, the course of the game, giving him 75 percent of the reps, maybe 80 percent of the reps over Dane Jackson, having him play opposite Trey White. Um, and then when it comes to Benford, listen, Benford played pretty well early on in the season. Uh, as the year went on before the injury, he was getting exposed a little bit more in terms of being beaten at times. But he's still going to be a valuable contributor to this team, so it wouldn't be a surprise if they brought him back. And like you said, they can tinker with the roster in a lot of ways, so I'm not sure that they they have a set player position in mind for that. Uh, but they still have Xavier Rhodes as well. So all of a sudden, you know, cornerback is uh, quickly becoming maybe a position of strength, at least in terms of depth and numbers. Yeah, I think – I think you're watching, by the way. We got 300 right. watching live on YouTube. We got to get those likes up. We're not even to 100 right. likes on this episode. Come on. Come on. We're going through all the questions. We're about to take all the YouTube questions. If you got one on Twitter, throw one at me. If you got one on Facebook, go for it. Um, but let's get those likes up. I want to get to 200 by the end of the show. Uh, we still got a lot of questions to get through, so we might be here for a few more minutes. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think Elon's played well when he's played. It's, it, it is confusing, you know, that I'm not using him as much as I thought they would. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, like, um, you know, I think at the end of the season, I think he's going to do really well. And I think he's going to be starting opposite. If it's not totally, you know, hundred percent of the snaps opposite Trey, I think he'll be getting around, you know, 60, 70% of the snaps, maybe work Benford. And I think Dane Jackson has just been such a liability at some, like at, at points this, this season that I think you have to bet on your first round pick that you drafted, that you traded up to get, 
and you and when games matter the most, opposite Trey White, I think you have to put him out there. I just wonder if your view of Dane Jackson or evaluation of Dane Jackson's year is different than Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott's. And that's what would, I guess, worry me if I'm a Bills fan about what this rotation looks like down the stretch. Like, I, I really think they're going to struggle to go away from him. Like, they refused to do it for years with Levi Wallace. And I, I, I thought, too, like, there was a point when Josh Norman was playing really at a high level there. And when, by a high level, I mean like a higher level than Levi Wallace was playing at at that at that, stung, at that juncture, and they still would not go away from it. I mean the the Kevin Johnson era, right? Remember, remember him coming over from the Texans. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we got a lot of questions here. I want to get to as many as we can. I think this is a, a fun one. Would you rather have the Patriots lose and be eliminated before Bills play the Patriots, or would you rather knock out the Patriots? What's funny about this question, Ryan, is that. I think the best case scenario in two ways is the Patriots to win this week because a, it keeps them in the race and potentially, first of all, it gives the dolphins another loss, which I think if you're picking which team you'd rather play in the playoffs with the bills, you'd much rather play the Patriots. Sure. It's, it's just a game, a team that you did had a lot more success against Mac Jones is absolutely spinning out of control and not all his fault, but, Things are bad for Mac Jones in 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 New England right now. That's another guy we can talk a little bit about in a minute here. But I think a you want to play New England, so you want Miami not to to make the playoffs. So you want you're rooting for that. And then next week, if they win this week against the Dolphins, you, you assume the Bills are going to beat them in Week 18. It gives them another chance that if the Dolphins lose the Jets, I think the Patriots then even still get in. Uh, they get the tiebreaker. I got. I'd have to look at the how it all breaks down. But I think you're a, a Patriots fan all of a sudden if you're a Bills fan. As crazy as that might be to sound, I, so, no, I, I think that's right on the money. And and again, you know, it, one part of me says, well, who really doesn't matter? The Patriots aren't a threat. But at the same time, if they could play a role in in eliminating the the Dolphins, who I still think could be a, a sneaky team in the playoffs because you still have Tyree Kill, you still have Jalen Waddle. And anything can happen in the playoffs. Uh, you are pulling for the Patriots to maybe pull off that win this weekend and make things really interesting come week 18. So uh, I guess in that scenario, eliminating them in the final week or beating them in the final week and potentially eliminating them is the way to go. Here's the next question. Do you think the Bills carry on with running the ball as they did against Chicago or go back to a more passing-centric attack um, I don't know if that question uh, from our good buddy Hoover over on Twitter is about the Bengals game specifically or like looking ahead, moving forward. You can take the, the question in any direction you want. Yeah, um, it's going to depend on, on the, the way the games are going. So uh, I think against the Bengals, they're going to try to utilize the run game, keep the ball out, uh, out of Joe Burrow's hand in that offense. Uh, you know, still use Josh Allen as the passer, still let him use his legs. But if you can take up a lot of the time of possession. If you can run the wall, the ball well with Singletary uh, and, and company and, and uh, really hurt them in that way, yes. But at the same time, if Burrow and, and the Bengals come out and they they come out firing, they put up 10, 14, 17 points quick, the Bills can't just sit there and keep relying on the run. So it's really a, a game-by-game game plan. It'd be nice to give James Cook and Singletary double-digit carries each game, but it, it's a game-by-game game type of matchup. So it really depends at the end of the day, but I think they're going to come out and try to utilize the run because, again, this is a very uh, high-powered offense they're going to go against, and the, the fewer times you can get them on the field, the better. 
What do you think, AJ? Yeah, I'm right with you. I think it's going to be a week-to-week thing. Obviously, the Bills and the offense, when you're sitting on, on the TV and watching it or at the game, they're very fun to you know watch when they're throwing the ball in the perfect offensive game. I mean, that was a little mix of both. Singletary, Singletary had a really good game that week, and but Allen threw the ball over the field. I think he was like 21 for 25, and perfect passer rating. So they're they're definitely at their best, I think, when they're when they're throwing the ball and you know taking the big plays. But at the same time, I think what's been working this year is you know controlling the pace of the game, and you know using Josh as more of a runner. So it, it all depends on the week and the weather and. And I know Cincinnati next week. There's a there's a warm front coming, so I think it'll be more of a you know pass heavy attack from both sides. So that that's my opinion. I think James Cook is going to open up a lot of things for Josh Allen. Like I think teams are going to be forced out of how they play against this passing game to try to stop that. I mean, early in games, if he's able to have success, I mean, he broke off that 28 yard run I think in the first quarter, right against the Bears. That immediately like. You know, gets defensive coordinators thinking, gets, you know, secondary players thinking. And, like, you know, this this week coming up, if you were talking about the strong suit of this Bengals defense, it's probably at the front, right, with their defensive line. Reader's an absolute beast. Um, Hendrickson's on the outside. Then they have some good linebackers. I think they have one good safety. Uh, I want to take a deeper dive on them in the next couple of days. But then uh, their cornerbacks, like their secondary in general, like I, I wouldn't say that that's the strength of that defense. So, you know, they're going to probably try to take the deep part of the field away as most teams do against the Bills. And, you know, if they can run the ball a little bit and the way that James Cook has been getting downhill, to me, that's what can really potentially take uh team or er, force the Bills to keep running if they're having success in that department. We'll see. What's up, buddy? Coming in here? Oh. Uh, I think you wanted to show you this, Ryan. So, All right. um, so I'm not a Bills fan anymore, but my my son is a huge Bills fan, huge. Right? Who's your favorite player? Um, Josh. Who's your second favorite player? Diggs. All right, cool. And he got his first pack of football cards. Ooh. And and. Rookie cards. He got the the booklet with the sleeves that you could kind of put all the cards in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, like that was our whole childhood, right? I mean, that was. Yeah. What was your favorite card? Oh, this was his favorite card, right? The mint condition rookie. Yeah. All right, let's show him this one, real mm-hmm. quick, and then I gotta go back to work. Okay. Okay. Who is that? Show him mint condition. Who? Um, hang on, let me check. Hang on. Right there, his name's right there, buddy. Hang on. <laughs> what is it? Mint condition, two thousand four. Roscoe Paris rookie card. Big you gotta get that graded. Yeah, you gotta get that graded. Speed, speed. We'll talk for about days. that after. All right, go up. I'm almost done. Okay. Okay, Love you, buddy. Don't forget about the letter. I won't. Uh, he was really excited to to show you that, Ryan. He was talking about That's that earlier awesome. today. That's awesome. Um. All right. Last couple of questions before we get out of here. It's a long show. These Q and A shows can get a little bit uh long, uh, but that's okay. We're having some fun. Uh, we talked about that. Oh, Mike Straw. Uh, your old buddy. Uh, if Josh Allen was a wrestler, who would he be? And I hope you gave some thought to this. Oh, I absolutely gave thought to it. It's The Rock. <laughs> Think about this. When The Rock. Wait a first... second. Wait a no, second. Wait a second. I, I, I'm going to have immediate pushback here. No, he's The Rock. Josh I'm Allen is not nearly cool enough to he's be The, the Rock. <laughs> no. This is a deplorable wrestling take from you, Ryan. How, mu- how much do you? How much did you follow his career? The Rock? Yeah. I followed every piece career. of it. So he comes in, he comes in, he's Rocky Maivia, and it's Rocky sucks, Rocky sucks. Josh Allen comes into the league. What is it? Josh stinks. Don't draft him. You don't want him. But then 
he becomes the most electrifying man in in on the football Josh field. Josh Allen is not hurdling. the most electrifying man. Oh, yeah, on the football field, hurdling people, throwing no, missiles. No, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. He's dealing yeah. with an in, he's dealing with an injury to the people's no, elbow. Oh, that's terrible. It's just <laughs> terrible. He is the rock. He went <laughs> from Rocky Maivia, no one wanted him, to the rock. Now that guy no, you know who that he everyone is? can't wait. You know who he is? Who is he? It's Kurt Angle. Kurt, no. He's, I love Angle. he's Mr. America. He's everybody's favorite guy. He goes home, he gets a he gets a couple cookies, he gets a glass of milk, a big glass of milk. You know, he's he, he you know he's Kurt Angle. He's kind of a dork. Like, and, and he admits it. He's it on interview. He is not the rock. He is not the rock. I'm, I'm I take issue with this. I'm, stick, this I'm sticking with it. Thank you, Donnie Brooke with you. 100%. Ryan. Joshua Allen says cut Ryan's mic. I agree. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while, Ryan. I haven't done this in a while, but bang, you're muted. You're muted. And I'm actually gonna remove you from the stream because I, I can't deal with this right now. AJ. Uh, I've worked with Ryan Talbot for five years. I've had him on the show for three years. I really depended on him in this moment. This was his lane to take it. And I don't know if the Kurt Angle one is very good. It probably isn't, but it can't be the rock. Can't be the rock. Oh, you're still muted. You could talk, but you're still muted. There you go. You're back. <laughs> People get mad at me when I take Ryan out of the stream. I haven't done that in a right. while. That's um, right. People's elbow. People's yep. elbow. This is, that's it for him. All right. All right. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like the personas are a little bit different. Like we got to find somebody who's championship caliber, but that doesn't have like, who isn't just super cool. Like the rock was just so the one liners were just amazing. I don't know. I can't get on board with that. We got to find a different one. Somebody, somebody in the comments has to drop a, a, a better wrestler comparison. Um, Ah, Joshua Allen. That was the most ratchet take ever by Ryan. <laughs> there you go. All right. People want to bring it back onto the football field, so that's fine. We will. <laughs> we had a lot of starred uh, questions. Let's get to some of these. Whew, this is a really good one. We'll stick with Joshua Allen uh, over on Facebook. Who is the better number two receiver, Gabriel Davis or T. Higgins? And before we start, I feel like it's only fair that we bring up their stats here. Um, I think that they're going to look a little bit differently. We'll see. If you would have asked me this question, by the way, in August, I think I would have given you a different answer than I'm going to give you right now. But here's the comp. 2022 season. Higgins, is, they're both in their third seasons. Uh, Gabe Davis has played in 14 games. T. Higgins has played in 15 games. Gabe Davis has 45 catches. For 797 yards and seven touchdowns. T. Higgins, 73 catches, 1,022 yards, and seven touchdowns. I'm going T. Higgins, boys. What do you got? Yeah, right now I have to go T. Higgins as well. And I know Gabe was hampered by the ankle injury for a while. But there's just little things this year. And it wasn't even the fumble last week against the Bears. It was the... Pass to the end zone where he didn't fight for the ball, where I think he would have drawn a pass interference penalty. Little things like that where uh, I sit there and say, okay, that's something a number two receiver should be doing, should be looking to fight for the ball, kind of draw that easy flag, and he just kind of just stood there. And as the guy was face guarding him, let the ball hit off the defender's back, um, where I think Higgins has continued to elevate his game. 
Gabe Davis, he, he's gotten better and better. It, it just hasn't, it's been in smaller increments. So uh, I still need to see a little bit more from Davis. I think maybe expectations are a little bit too high after that four touchdown game uh, against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah, building off that point, I think Steve said in the chat, T Higgins by a mile. I actually agree with that. I mean, I think T Higgins, T Higgins last year as well had over a thousand yards and his rookie year had 900. So I think, you know, obviously T Higgins was a prized product out of college from Clemson. He was really good player. He should have been a first round pick. I, I think yeah. him, that was a steal, him falling to the second. Yeah, so I think T. Higgins is a really good player, and I think, like Ryan said, I think that four-touchdown performance from Davis last year kind of elevated those expectations very high, and I think, you know, some Bills fans are, like, upset about his production this year. But, yeah, I think Higgins is is the better is the better guy. From Andy on YouTube, is Terrell Bernard a wasted draft pick, third-round pick who is not playing? Um, I'll start this off by saying that the Terrell Bernard pick was never for 2022. And if you went into that – if you went into this season thinking that – they were going to make him a safety or a nickel corner or something like that. That that never was the case. To me, Terrell Bernard is a pick that you make a smart, versatile linebacker that gives you options down the road because you're paying Matt Milano a lot right now. But going into this season, I mean, he stayed healthy for the most part this season. Last season was pretty good. But there's been injury concerns over the course of his career. Tremaine Edmonds is coming up and he's about to be uh, a free agent. If you don't bring him back, however that ends up working out, we'll see. But, you know, I think to me, Terrell Bernard was about having some long-term in, in insurance. I think the thing that sticks with people a little bit, Ryan, is that the bills took them a lot earlier than I think that they, they needed to. Um, but again, the draft is really something that we might look at a bunch of uh, mock drafts and, and rankings, uh, but we don't really know what's going on in the rooms. And who knows, maybe maybe somebody else had Terrell Bernard a little bit higher than most. Um, it just feels a little bit higher because a lot, I think a lot of draft experts had him going a lot later. Yeah, and, you know, it's too early to say if it's a wasted pick. Time will tell. Uh, this year he hasn't been on the field much. We get that, but they already have a top-notch duo in Milano and Edmonds. So, like you said, that wasn't part of the plan. Uh, it's a kind of a wait-and-see mode, and you just kind of hope that – the Bills were right in their analysis, their, everything they did in the draft process. They said they had a private workout with him. They ran him through some things, and he really picked up the defense well. So uh, it's going to be one of those players that maybe come injury or maybe opportunity. We'll have to wait to see the field. All right, next one here, uh, our good, good friend, uh, loyal listener of the show, Rick Rarick over on YouTube. Any update on Mitch Morris? There isn't, unfortunately – uh, usually we would have talked to Sean uh, or maybe the coordinators again. Uh, I don't know how the exact math would have worked out, but because of the storm, the bills kind of pushed off a lot of stuff and there'll be nothing now, um, you know, from Sunday to uh, Thursday. So we won't talk to anybody. So the bills don't have to give an update as of now. There hasn't been a report out any differently. He's still in the concussion protocol. It's going to be a day-to-day -day thing. Thursday will be a huge update. Like check your Twitter feeds around 1230 when Sean McDermott talks a bunch of reporters will tweet out, you know, the update on Mitch Morris, whether he'll practice, if he's returning to practice, even on a limited basis, that's huge news. Even if he's not out of the protocol, that could mean that he is uh, making some progress there. So we'll have a definitive update on Mitch. Um, on, is that your uh, that's girl? My, no, that's the old one. I don't know. They're old both one? losing their minds tonight. The puppy's what? barking. You know why? They heard your rock take on Josh Allen. <laughs> Understand it. They I'm can't keep from making all of this noise in the background. I understand. I understand. It's uh, okay. 
dogs. <laughs> All right. I think we got through a lot of them. If we didn't get through everything, uh, we went an hour and five minutes here. We will, um, we will come back, ask them in the comments of the next show. Uh, we try to get to as many as we can. Final thought. Let's go around the horn. AJ, Ryan, and I'll close it out. All right. My final thought is I'm going to go back to the Nick Wright thing that uh, you guys were talking about earlier. Nick Wright is a, you know, a Chiefs fan. And you know what they say? The, the, the person they criticize the most is the one they fear the most. Nick Wright knows what Allen did last year in Arrowhead. And that's why he's most feared. Just like why I did not like LeBron for many years because I was, he would steal Curry's rings. It's the same way with this. That's why Nick Wright is the way he is. And Allen is the, you know, a top two quarterback in this league. And that's why Nick Wright, um, you know, has his takes about Allen and why he's not that good since week six. Yeah. Bill's mafia going back to kind of that, the topic of tonight's show. I understand there's a lot riding on these next two weeks with the number one seed. I understand the expectations, but don't forget to enjoy the ride. If you are a member of the Bills Mafia, don't forget how bad it was for many, many years before Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean came along. Uh, we've You've reached the point now, and we as people who have covered the team, where playoffs are now an expectation. It, it's no longer a, well, you know, maybe this is the year they get in. Yes, it is now the expectation, but don't let that take away from the enjoyment of the game on a week-to-week basis. Speaking of enjoying the game, every game should be enjoyed after a diligent trip to the Topps Carryout Cafe where you can just peruse all of the different options ready to go for game day tailgating spreads or any occasion hot to go fresh large cheese and pepperoni pizzas are $14 jumbo chicken wing 10 count $14 the tops legendary breakfast pizza a large is $20 I'm sure many people enjoyed that when uh, tops reopened here over the last couple of days um, pizza and taco log six count 769 baby back rib sections 599 a pound sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Final thought for me, I just want to send out, you know, love and uh, support thinking about all people that have been affected by these horrible events over the last couple of days. They're dealing with this, this weather event, uh, people that have, you know, lost their lives and you know, have dealt with people that were, you know, trapped in cars, trapped in houses. It's been a tough, you know, 48, 76, however many hours uh, it's been for everybody that kind of lost count at this point. I mean, we're a couple of days removed, so it's more than that. Um, but yeah, it's just, you, you've seen some really good things. Obviously you've seen some kind of disappointing things and um, I just hope everybody uh, out there, if you've been affected, just know that we're all thinking of you uh, for AJ, for Ryan, I am at Perino. We will be back on Thursday night. Smash that like button, subscribe before you go. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody.